so welcome to the Cup for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns. We're back after a little bit Woo! of a break, and uh, we are we are back uh, putting together an episode uh, for you this week, and uh, uh, we're going to be digging into my message from Sunday, which is the start of a new message series on fear, um, and just uh, why this sermon series, why this sermon series right now, um, and then just digging into um, some of the behind the scenes of the sermon on Sunday. So... Uh, Eric, we are back after a little bit here, and just uh, how was July for you? Because we basically took the month of July off. Yeah, pretty much. No, July was good. We had some family trips. We had family vacation to the Black Hills, um, which was a blast. Uh, God's creation is amazing, and I love eastern South Dakota, but there is something about the Black Hills that is just, I don't know, it's, it's second to none. It's amazing. So, yeah, I hear you. Um, Good. He's had a blast. Um, yeah, but it's good to be back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I mean, just between vacation Bible school and church camp, and um, then we did our annual Holy Blow and Smoke rib cook-off. Um, it ended up being more of a rib feed than a cook-off this year, which is just fine. And yeah, it was just kind of a crazy, crazy stretch there. And so I'm glad we're able to get back to some semblance of normal um, here as we look towards the start of the school year um, and just kind of our schedules readjusting back into a more more normal pace. And so uh, just uh, thanks to those that are sticking with us and coming back to listen to episodes. Uh, we missed you and we're glad that you're back with us here on this uh, this adventure of the Cup for Time podcast. So. Yeah, so Sunday we started a new, me- new message series uh, based on fear, uh, based on just, you know, it's it's loosely based on a book um, by Adam Hamilton, um, pastor of the Church of the Resurrection down in Leewood, Kansas. Uh, it's a book that Adam Hamilton wrote in 2018. Um, and so going back and rereading it now for this message series, I'm and just the world has changed so much um, since then. Like I was talking, so we're doing this sermon series with my friend, Pastor Peggy from the Madison United Methodist Church. Um, and I was just, you know, we were talking over, um, over, uh, over Messenger, um, just about how much the world has changed in the, in, in the, the years since Adam wrote this book. And I would be so interested in hearing how he would write this book differently today and the, the <laughs> things that he would fo- choose to focus on. Because over the next couple of weeks, we talked on Sunday just about like general fear, you know, fear and anxiety. And we live in an age of anxiety and things, everything tells us to be afraid right now. And, you know, that was true in 2018 when Adam wrote the book, but it's also even more true now. I think the fear is, like I talked about on Sunday, fear is just this universal experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and right now we're going through this transitional time in, in everybody's calendars where even if we're not students, the the, the pace changes, um, you know, based on the school calendar. Um, the, the, their life is different during the summer. Um, the, uh, there's there's a lot more there's there's different activities happening. And just, you know, now we're returning to the sense of, you know, normal or whatever, um, coming back to normal routines and, and things are changing and change can be scary. Change doesn't have to be scary, but for a lot of us, change is scary, uh, kind of stokes at some of those, those base fears in our lives. And so, um, because that's true, um, because that's the reality that we're facing as we're looking at the normal, you know, the normal schedule coming back, um, and, and things changing in the midst of that, um, you know, 
we're going to be looking at these this, this idea of fear for the next couple of weeks, just looking at where fear comes from. And then also, you know, focusing mainly on what God's word has to say to us in moments when we are afraid of the different things that we get afraid of. Um, so, like I said, Sunday, we talked about just this general sense of anxiety uh, that we all just exist with because fear is a universal emotion. Um, and there, there are different things that trigger us, but the triggering can can kind of come from the same spot when that, you know, the, the, the amygdala in our brains. Uh, what, what, it does, what does it mean really and truly to exist in a place where we fear the Lord? Um, you know, we, all throughout the, the Old Testament wisdom literature, we learn that the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of knowledge, is, is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is very, very important. But when we're talking about fear, and I kind of hinted a little bit about this on Sunday, but when we're talking about fear, we're not talking about like, ooh, scary fear. We're talking about that sense of awe and reverence and respect for God. And so what does that mean for us in those moments when we are afraid Ooh, bad, scary um, to look to God with with fear, but not that kind of fear. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that'll be kind of the general direction of the sermon series over the next couple of weeks. And so on Sunday, I shared um, my fear of snakes. Um, I just mm-hmm. I, 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 and like one of the things that I cut, I had a little bit more on that um, is just, you know, like the reason why I'm afraid of snakes is because I just don't understand um, like I know that there is a physiological explanation as to why snakes can move the way that they can, but they don't have legs. And like mm-hmm. in my, you know, very simple brain, if you're going to move like that, you have to have legs. And I under I understand there's science. I understand there's a reason why, but I just don't understand how snakes can do the things that they do. And so that really, really freaks me out. So but doesn't that, like doesn't that partially too come from being a West River kid? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, like rattlesnakes are a real thing for you. Yep. Yeah. You know, for me, snakes have I've never been afraid of snakes because I mean we have garter snakes and bull snakes and neither one of them can hurt us. Right. And yeah. so yeah, snakes have never been they've never triggered a fear for me. Like when we were in reptile gardens, um, Jenna shares the fear of snakes with you. And when we were in Reptile Gardens, she's just like on edge the whole time. And I'm like, Everett, come check this one out. Everett, come check oh, this one out. Oh. There was there was a snake. There was two snakes actually on this branch sticking out from a tree just out in this big atrium thing. And so, okay. I mean, it was open to the people. Sure. And Jenna just did not like that. And I'm like, Everett, check this out. There's these two snakes up on this branch. And yeah, like that. I mean, yep. Snakes are not a fear for me, but it, I think I was thinking about that. I was like, it has to do with. Oh, yeah. I, I've for just sure. never been around anything that could hurt me. Yep. Yeah. We were out fencing when we were kids. Uh, we were out with my dad and like my sister was just hanging out and doing nothing. Like she did nothing to provoke this snake, but it got like this far away from her ankle. Mm. And like just out of nowhere, my dad came with a spade and chopped the, you know, chopped the head off that stupid thing and you know but i mean it's though it was those are freaky you know and mm-hmm. then also um we ended up getting one in our toilet um like um in our in our house when i was growing up mm. and like i just no i yeah it, I, 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 was, I, was I was not okay mm-hmm. i was not okay so yeah thanks so if it isn't snakes, Eric, I mean, on Sunday we talked about how everyone's allowed one irrational fear minus snakes. Dr. Bender's is ketchup. 
Uh, what is what is your irrational fear, Eric? I've been thinking about this for three days. Ever since Sunday, I'm like, I don't have a good answer for that because I'm just big and tough and don't get afraid. No, I'm just kidding. Well, there you go. <laughs> fair. That's fair. I could come up with a good, like, real fear. Yeah, sure. I can't come up with a irrational one. Mm -hmm. uh, so we can talk about that. All right. What's your, what's your real fear? So I have, I don't know. I think a lot of people have this, but my fear is being um, inadequate. Mm. You, you know, inadequate as a father, inadequate sure. as an engineer, inadequate as a husband. Like, if you think about the things that we are asked to do, which is in, in any of our roles, doing it well is, is hard. And so, oh, yeah, definitely. Moving up to the expectation. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and we're going to dig into that know. in a couple of weeks as we talk about the fear of failure, um, because that's that is definitely mm -hmm. a rational fear that I share. I mean, or a real fear that I share as well. I mean, I'm always, I, yeah, I'm not that I'm always seeking validation, but also, I mean, that matters. Knowing that I'm doing what you know, what people expect of 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 a person in, in my position. I mean, am I a good enough pastor? Am I a good enough dad? Am I a good enough husband? Like those types of thoughts are always in the back of my head too. But the fear of being a good enough Christian. Mm. You know what I mean? Like we try to do our best. We do a terrible job at it. And Will we reap the benefit? You know what I mean? Like, will, sure. Will oh yeah, definitely. To, well, we get to do the things that are always talked about that we'll get to do. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that I definitely um, resonate and wrestle with that as well. Um, you know, I just, I mean, I, I hope that I point people to to grace enough um, that people. I mean, it's still going to be in the back of our heads because we're humans and that's the the unmerited, undeserved love of God is sometimes just a bridge too far for us um, as, as, as people. Um, and you, because that's there's no other place in our lives where things work like that. Mm -hmm. like, there's no other place in our world where there is unmerited favor at the same level that God extends to us. And so of course, we we have no concept of it. We we're we're incapable, I mean, we're able to love unconditionally. We're incapable of loving like God does, you know, uh, mm -hmm. with that that same level of reckless abandon. Um, you know, and so and because we don't know how to extend that, we don't know how to receive, we don't know how to receive that. And so I think a lot of people live in that in that tension. I think even, I mean, I think even pastors that should mean not not know better, but I mean, I, I think that we all wrestle with that to some degree or another. Um, you know, the, the, there's an old story about Martin Luther um, that, you know, he doubted his own salvation so often that he kept a baptismal font like right by his desk. And if when he was feeling those feelings of, of inadequacy as a Christian or being that he isn't saved, he would dip his hand into the water, make the sign of the cross on his forehead and say, Martin, remember that you are baptized. And just remember that, 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 that God's grace is sufficient for even you. Um, you know, yeah, I think that that's a huge, uh, a huge thing that we need to be 
on guard with and and constantly giving over to God because it is true and grace is real and grace is the fact, but it is so hard for us to to really live in the midst of that. Like you said on Sunday, God tells us, you know, don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, part of it is uh, where we ultimately put our trust. Um, you know, uh, to to quote scripture uh, from from Proverbs three, to lean not on our own understandings and trust God in all things, and you know, and and to look for God's ways above our ways. Um, you know, and but that's I mean, it's all easier said than done. Um, you right. know, actually, um, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest way that I know is just through prayer. I think, you know, just constantly keeping that, you know, uh, keeping what Paul says to the Thessalonians, like, you know, pray constantly, uh, to pray without ceasing. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's ever a time where we can disconnect from the, from God's grace in that way. Um, and, and have things go how they're supposed to go. I, I think that that can, is where we, when we decide that we can't bother God with this or it's trivial or we've prayed this prayer a million times, but we're still afraid or we're still, you know, stuck in that anxiety loop. There, there are other things that you can do. I mean, there, there are deep breathing exercises you can do when you find yourselves in the midst of fear or fearful situations when your brain's doing what your brain does. Um, you know, there's there's things like exposure therapy where you expose yourself to the things you're afraid of so often and so much that it is no longer it no longer makes your brain do the physiological things your brain does. Um, you know, but but in a spiritual sense, you know, the biggest thing we can do it feels kind of like the Sunday school answer or kind of trite to say. But it really just does come down to praying and, you know, and, and maybe even like um, one of the things that Adam, Adam Hamilton suggests in the book Unafraid is praying scripture of just, you know, finding passages to deal with the fears, that, I mean, the, the fears that we deal with um, and, and, and just being reminded, you know, one of the things that I get afraid of is just, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of sometimes of stepping on toes and I'm afraid of other people and I can shrink back from things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I have to remind myself constantly, um, the, of, of Paul's words to Timothy in second Timothy, where he says that God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but one of power, um, and one of authority and one of confidence and, you know, and just, you know, reminding myself that I don't, I don't get to just, you know, I just don't, I don't get to just sit back. Um, it's just, you know, constantly just praying that phrase over and over and saying, God, I'm feeling, you know, X, Y, Z. And I know that that's not of you and that's of me. And I need you to, you know, I, I need, I need me to get out of the way so that you can do what you need to do um, in mm-hmm. and through and in spite of me. Um, Did you cut anything from this past week? One of the things I'm worried, not worried about, but one of the things I was wondering about is, um, I I think I may have botched the idea of Isaiah's call to to prophetic ministry. Um, like he wasn't like I, I may have I, I I what I was trying to communicate was that he was the prophet in two different spots in Israel's history. Now that he was called once and then stopped being a prophet and then was called again, um, what was this? What was your sense of that from the sermon on Sunday? I did have to listen to it three times in order to actually understand what you were trying to say, if that helps. Right. Yeah. Go ahead and, and maybe recap that. Well, yeah. So, I mean, Isaiah was called, was raised up as a prophet, um, you know, 
in those days when Israel was not living faithfully. And Isaiah was called as a prophet to warn the people and remind the people, hey, you've made a covenant with God and God's going to be faithful even when you are not. But that doesn't mean that you're not free from the consequences of that. And there are consequences coming unless you repent and turn back to the way that God intends for you to live. And then that didn't happen. The people completely rejected Isaiah, just as they rejected every single one of the other prophets as well. Like Isaiah is not special in being rejected. They rejected all of the prophets. The entire second half of Isaiah's ministry is about, is that season when Israel is in exile. Israel has been taken from their homeland. They are in Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. They are, they are separated from their homeland. They're separated from the land that God promised them. But even then, God is speaking words of comfort. Even then, God is speaking words of restoration through the prophet Isaiah. So Isaiah's job, is his focus shifts away from warning and into holding on to hope in the midst of all of it and holding on to faithfulness in God. It's, it's still the same message, but it has a different, you know, a different point to it. You know, this, this, some of everyone's fears has happened. And so how do we pick up the pieces after that is by looking to words. Isaiah 40 is really, is where, is where it shifts. We read from Isaiah 41, but Isaiah 40 is really where that pendulum shifts. 39 is this very dark rebuke and saying that exile is going to happen, that, 40 begins, comfort my people. 40 begins with these words of that, that, that we now use during Advent to really speak about the coming of Jesus. But even then, God had a plan. And so people were being called to hold on to their faithfulness in the midst of those harder times. And Isaiah was the prophet of God that was speaking God's continued presence with them, even when they found themselves completely you know, they could have completely just shut off altogether because they watched their homeland fall. They watched this happen. And yes, it happened because of their actions and their choices, but they still watched it happen. And that's why Isaiah has to so strongly speak against idolatry. And what we did read on Sunday from Isaiah 41, you know, there's there's these master craftsmen coming together and building this thing and calling it an idol and calling it God. And they fasten it in a place as if it will never move. But then you have the God of the universe that called creation into being, that called Israel from the four corners of the world, um, mm -hmm. the one that cannot be moved, but does all the moving. And so Isaiah is telling the people of God to think bigger about who God is and to think back to who God has been and who God will continue to be because of this covenant of faithfulness that God has made with the people. To yeah, okay, yeah. I was afraid that that kind of got lost on Sunday. Well, I'm looking forward to this series. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a, I think it's timely for where we find ourselves and will be powerful for us. <laughs> yeah. sounds good yeah well what's next week yeah so on sunday we're gonna be talking about the fear that we have about people that are different from who we are um you know there the reality is is that there is a multiplicity of of different types of people 
Um, there are people that that vote that vote differently than we do, that think differently than we do, that view the world fundamentally fund, fundamentally differently than we do. And what do we do with that? Um, the only response could be that we just completely shut those people out. Um, that's not how God would have us to act, though. Um, you know, we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves, and that is hard when our neighbors are people that that disagree with us. Um, but yet, mm-hmm. God's call remains. And so, how do we? wrestle in that moment of wanting to be faithful but also just fundamentally disagreeing with those around us and it doesn't have to just be politically it can be you know there are there are social issues that there are seemingly two sides on and there are you know just just fundamental like i said fundamental ways of viewing the world that are different um you know people that view hygiene differently than we do i've been spend a week with middle schoolers at camp and there are definitely some different ideas on hygiene. Out there. How do we handle that? And looking really to what God's word has to say. So we're we talking about First uh, John 1, where we learn that God is love and love comes from God. And if we are to be the people that God made us to be, we have to love too, even when it's difficult. Um, and then just also from Matthew's gospel as well, where Jesus makes very, very similar points. So that'll be what we dig into on Sunday. Sounds good. Good luck with that. Thanks. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, thanks yes. for joining us on the Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in, in church at 10 a.m. on Sunday or for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.